Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com slash giving. Enjoy the podcast. Anyway, last week, Pastor Mike started a series on Habakkuk. Now, some of you, you know, you're like, who? No, Habakkuk. And we're going to continue it today in Habakkuk chapter 2. And so basically, the book of Habakkuk is this. It's a journal from a prophet who's surveying the condition of his nation and his people. He's very, very frustrated because people are doing what they shouldn't be doing. And they're not doing what they should be doing which the Bible calls sin. You know, if you don't do the things you're supposed to do and you do the things you're not supposed to do, those are both called sin. There's injustice, there's carnage, there's mayhem, there's all kinds of wrong. And so Habakkuk grows weary and frustrated. And he goes to God and he prays. And he asks God, God, why in the world is it this way? What is your plan to fix it? And when do you intend to execute that plan? God responds to Habakkuk and answers his question and says, well, there's this people group called the Babylonians. They're ruthless, vile, nasty, mean warriors. They've been wanting to crush you for a long time. So I'm going to let them. That's my plan. Can you imagine Habakkuk giving that prophecy to the people? Can you imagine going to his people, to Judah, and saying, look, we're bad. The nations around us are worse, but God's going to use the Babylonians to correct us. We're going to be conquered by them, along with a number of other countries, and The people are going to think he's crazy or worse yet, a false prophet. Who's ever heard of such a thing? How can that be? How and why would God use the Babylonians to bring correction to Judah? It's as crazy as the Cubs winning the World Series. Oh, that happened last year. Well, you know what? That's exactly what's going to happen in this case. Once in 100 years, whatever, it's going to happen. The Babylonians were going to crush Judah. Habakkuk's so sure that it's going to happen that he's concerned about the people's response. And as soon as he gets God's initial response, he goes back with more questions, sort of like a teenager who doesn't like the first answer. They go back to the parents for a different one. So Habakkuk goes back to God, and he gets the answer from God, and in his second response, his second complaint in verse 12 of Habakkuk chapter 1, this is what he says. O Lord my God, my Holy One, you who are eternal, surely you do not plan to wipe us out. O Lord our rock, you have sent these Babylonians to correct us, to punish us for our many sins, but you are pure and cannot stand the sight of evil. Will you wink at their treachery? Should you be silent while the wicked swallow up people more righteous than they? 
is kind of funny, really, when you think about it. Habakkuk recognizes that Judah's not great, but he knows they're better than the Babylonians. And God's righteous. Surely he will not use the Babylonians to wipe them out. But he's gonna. I want you to think of it this way. Like, Habakkuk clearly believes his nation is better than the Babylonians. That they're more righteous than the Babylonians. There is no way this fits in his paradigm. I want you to think this way. I want you to, just for a moment, I want you to think about the wickedest, most non-Christ-following nation in the world. I want you to kind of just, in your mind, come up with the one that you think is the wickedest, most non-Christ-following nation in the world. And now imagine that that nation is chosen by God to wipe us out or carry us off into captivity. That does not seem like a real fair deal. Like, especially for us, because we're actually trying to follow God, right? And there were some people in the nation of Judah who were trying to follow God, but there was a lot who weren't. A little bit like America today. There's people in our nation that are trying to follow God. There's a lot that are not. I'm not suggesting that God is going to come wipe out America. He could, he, whatever. He, he can do what he wants. And, and, but the deal is, here, Habakkuk knows, and God has told him, I'm going to carry off your nation into captivity. And that's Habakkuk's complaint. God, you're going to use these wicked people to correct us? And they're way more wicked than we are. Habakkuk does not believe bad things could or should happen to Judah and his people. They aren't following God, but they probably shouldn't. They don't deserve that. He thinks that they deserve God's protection. And that's a little bit like Christians today. Sometimes people just think they can do whatever. They can live however they want. They don't need to follow the Bible. They don't need to be Christ-like. Because God's grace is so good and His mercy and His love. Well, God is all those things, but He's also a God of justice. God expects more from His followers than He does from the rest of the world. We know Christ. We should be living like Him. And we should be doing His work. The same thing that Judah should have been doing, but they weren't. So after voicing a second complaint, Habakkuk goes to the wall to wait for God's response. So, so verse 1 of, of Habakkuk chapter 2 says, I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. There I'll wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. He's reading Habakkuk. Got a love of phone, they'll read to you. If you don't have the YouVersion Bible app on your phone, you should. It's a great thing. Habakkuk finds himself in a place 
that we often find ourselves. How often do we find ourselves in a place where we have no words to offer people around us who are suffering or going through difficulty? We have no idea how to respond. And that is Habakkuk's issue. What should he do? How should he respond? What should he say? See, so basically, Habakkuk lays out his complaint. He knows that he really doesn't understand how or why God would do what he said he was going to do. But Habakkuk basically says to God, here's my complaint, here's my questions, I'll wait for the answer. He does what we ought to do. Ask God, and then listen to his response. Look, there's two really powerful lessons that we can learn from Habakkuk. And here they are. Give them to you now, and then we'll come back to them as we go through. The first one is Habakkuk positioned himself to hear God. Habakkuk positioned himself to hear God. The second is this. The follower of God will live by faith. And we'll get to those as we go along. Throughout life, you are going to have moments of doubt, moments of questioning. You're going to hear something, and it's going to make you question. Look, there are people right now that live in South Texas who are questioning God. Why would you allow this to happen to me? They're going to question. It's normal to have questions. It's normal to have those doubts. Look, I thought you were going to protect us, God. We worked all our lives to build what we built. Why did it get wiped out in a matter of hours? Look, you've gone through things in your life. You've gone through moments of your life that that you've had questions. Look, when you're doing a funeral of a 15-year-old girl, who served God all her life, who gave up her lunch money for missions, who got killed for doing nothing wrong. It's going to raise some questions in your head. See, and that's the problem. See, see, Habakkuk had this thought, he had this feeling that, look, nothing bad can happen to us. We're the people of God. We're, we're Judah. No, 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 never mind. They're sinning like crazy. But even when we're doing everything right, stuff happens. Look, in this case, The questions were raised because of God himself. God delivers a message to Habakkuk. He says, I'm going to use the wicked Babylonians to wipe you out and carry off into captivity. And that raised questions. In our cases, it can be life circumstances. Things we learn. Things we hear. Look, Habakkuk was written 2,600 years ago. God spoke to a prophet named Habakkuk. And God didn't just speak to the prophet. God wanted to speak through the prophet. So there's a difference. See, God isn't just delivering a message for a man. 
God delivered a message to a man for a nation. And oftentimes when God speaks into our lives, it's not just for us. God used Habakkuk for the people of his day. He was also using Habakkuk for people in our day. And here's the first lesson. Habakkuk positioned himself to hear God. Look, when he had nothing, he, he had nowhere to turn, he didn't know what to do, Habakkuk positions himself to hear God. He lays it out and says, all right, God, I'm just going to wait here until you answer. When you go through moments of doubt or question, here's something you should do first. Position yourself to hear God. Even when things are going great, you should position yourself to hear God. Look, Habakkuk was desperate. He's like, these people are going to kill me if I deliver this message. I better have it right. I better know exactly what God is saying. And he was willing to wait for God's response. We aren't told how long he had to wait. When we read these three chapters, it's Habakkuk is three chapters long. We tend to think this all takes place really fast. I tend to think it probably took some time for this whole thing to work out. But look, Habakkuk is patient. He was willing to wait. Because he says, I'm just going to go up on the, to my watchtower and I'm just going to wait to hear God's response. I don't know how long he had to wait. Probably longer than we're willing to wait for just about anything. Okay, I mean, some of you are going to leave from here and instead of sitting down at a restaurant, you're going to actually go through a drive-thru. And you expect the food now. Okay? Right? How many of you are going to pull up to a stoplight on the way home from here and somebody in front of you is not going to go off the stoplight soon enough and you're going to be mad about it? How many of you are just going to lay on the horn, right? There are those in my family who would prefer that I, when somebody is in front of me and they're not moving, that I just lay on the horn, just... Uh, I don't do that because I'm afraid it's one of you. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of like, if I'm at a stoplight and somebody's not moving, I'm kind of like, let's be soft about this. Like, ee -ee. Because I don't want to offend anyone. Okay, I have trouble sitting at a stoplight. How willing am I to wait for God to answer my questions? How willing are you to wait to hear God answer your question? Do you ask the question and demand an immediate response? Position yourself to hear God. Position yourself to hear God speak to you. Do you have a place you meet with God? Sunday morning is good, but not good enough. You need another place you're able to go to meet with God. Could be a chair, could be a couch, a recliner, a closet, a porch. The location does not matter. 
the frequency does. The regularity that you visit that place and you position yourself to hear from God. You should visit that place more often than you visit your favorite restaurant or coffee shop. That's why we encourage you to read the Bible every day. That's why we encourage you to, to download the YouVersion Bible app and have a reading plan on your phone and to, to ingest the Word of God into your life. Sign up for some devotional plan, reading plan. Pick up a devotional book out at the Welcome Center. There's usually some out there. Look, you can read all kinds of things, but they're just trying their best. Trying to explain some part of life. God's Word brings life to us. Psalm 1937 says, Turn my eyes from worthless things and give me life through your word. John 1.4 says, The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The word, Christ, brings life. He gave life to everything. Philippians 2.16, Hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I'll be proud that I did not run the race in vain, and that my work was not useless. Hold firmly to the word of life. Look, don't let anything crowd out the moments that you're going to be with God. Make sure you position yourself to hear from God. Everything that you put in your life from God's word will not fail you. God's word will give you life and strength and it will build your faith. This is what God said to Habakkuk after he's waiting, and we don't know how long he waited, but he, he waits, and he's at the watchtower, and he's waiting. And it's a familiar passage of Scripture. Habakkuk 2.2 2 says, Then the Lord said to me, Write my answer plainly on tablets, so the runner can carry the correct message to others. This vision is for a future time. It described the end, and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. God, God will speak to us if we put ourselves in places to hear. God will not speak over the noise of our life. He will not fight for our attention. But he will get our attention at some point. He will not force you to hear. God told Habakkuk to write the answer down. Again, God spoke through the prophets. He, he was to write it down, to get it to messengers, to carry it everywhere, to carry it to the places they need to hear. And honestly, for us today, we should write down what we sense God speaking to us as well. Look, why would we write that down? Why would we write down God's message to us? Because there may come a day when discouragement comes and you need to remember what God spoke to you. Look, if God speaks something into your life, you need to remember it and you need to be reminded of it. And the other part of that is oftentimes God speaks to us and he teaches us things. He teaches us for the moment for ourselves. 
but oftentimes he'll use what he teaches us to help others. He will use the things, the lessons that we've learned to help other people walk through spots of their journey as well. We should be reading the Bible to speak to us, to correct us, to help us grow, for us to become more like him. Here's the second powerful lesson that we can learn from Habakkuk. The follower of God will live by faith. It's on in verse 4. Look at the proud. They trust in themselves, and their lives are crooked. But the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. Wealth is treacherous, and the arrogant are never at rest. They They open their mouths as wide as the grave, and like death, they are never satisfied. Look, for the original readers of this, of this text, living by faith meant believing God's word was given through Habakkuk. It meant singing the song Habakkuk sings and provides for them. Look, I'm telling you, you do not want to miss a week of this because there's something special coming. Just telling you, there's some special stuff coming. So I'm going to tell you. But faith means claiming the radical faith of Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 through 19 as their own. Even when in exile, 600 miles from their homeland, without a temple. Faith means waiting 70 years for their return. Their impoverished homeland that's been destroyed and left in ruins. Faith meant trust and even joy in the midst of adversity. As we'll see over the next few weeks, it's the fullest expression of the original meaning of the righteous will live by faith. Now I'm going to go back and three. The people of Judah were carried off to Babylon for 70 years. Like, put this in historical context. This takes place right before Nehemiah. Okay, so, so think about this for just a minute. Not right before, 70 years before. But, but think about it. Like, like, here we are, carried off into captivity. And they're in Babylon for 70 years. And then Nehemiah goes back and rebuilds the walls. So Habakkuk is, is this, this prophet that's... that's Telling the people, look, you're gone. You're out of here. You're going to go to Babylon. The temple's going to get destroyed. You're going to go through different... The walls of Jerusalem are going to be broken down. He doesn't know this. He just knows that, well, the Babylonians destroyed everything. They just came in and wiped stuff out. They were, they were going to lay waste to the land. They were about to go to Babylon where they could not worship the way they wanted. I mean, think about it for just a moment. They only knew how to worship one way. That was, they had a temple, they had a sacrificial system, and they had to do the right things in order to be made righteous. In order to be made right with God, they had to go through all these things. They didn't do them right. The priest didn't do it right. What? He got drug out of there because he died. Like, they had to do, that's how they had to do it. And now, Habakkuk gives this one-liner in verse 4. Righteous 
live by faith. That was not their experience. Their experience was, if we're going to be made right, we got to do this. we got to do these things. It's all about what I do. They didn't understand it was pointing forward to Jesus. And now they're hearing the righteous will live by faith. Even in their day. See, because they were going to have to, whatever they did in Babylon, they had a trust that was good enough to make them right with God. Because they couldn't do what they used to do. And the same thing is true for you and I. We've got to live by faith. Trusting God in the midst of everything. Confidence that God will deliver on his word. What does living by faith mean to us today? But we'll start with what it meant to Paul in the first century. Romans 1.17. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Here's Paul quoting Habakkuk 2.4. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. We live by faith, not by sight. Galatians 2, 20. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So what does that mean to us? We also must live by faith. And faith is reliance upon God and trust in God. Living by faith means what it did in the first century. Looking backward to the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus, and his resurrection as the key event of our lives. There are a lot of reasons to believe in Jesus. We, we know he's an actual historical person. There's no doubt that Jesus lived in the first century. Anyone who disputes that isn't being realistic. Where it gets tougher in our day is believing Jesus rose from the dead. A lot of people accepted Jesus lived. In the first century, though, there were hundreds of people, witnesses of Jesus' resurrection. He appeared to hundreds of people. Today, we have to accept that by faith. We also have to accept by faith that Jesus is the way to heaven. See, he's the one that said it, but it isn't very popular today. Like, Jesus' exclusive claim as the only way to God, what's frowned upon in society today? But Jesus said it. Are we going to accept that by faith? If he's the, the savior of the world, if he's the, the one who died on the cross, who, who rose again, then, then probably we ought to believe him because you know, he's done something nobody else did, and that's defeat death. And so if he did that, then we probably ought to trust him. And since he appeared to hundreds of people in the first century who were eyewitnesses of the event, we trust Christ. We have faith in him. But it doesn't stop there. And in reality, that's only the beginning point of what God wants each of us to live. He wants us to live our lives here on earth by faith. Faith that God will lead us throughout our lives. Faith that no matter what we experience, we trust him. Faith, no matter what, no matter what we go through, we trust him. Look, look, the people in in South Texas, 
Like there's believers today that they've got to trust him at a level they've never had to trust him before because they're going through something they've never been through before. Because when the hurricane did hit, it hit in the category four. Some of them have never been through it before. And they're going to go through rain and flooding and all those things. And they're going to have to trust God. They're going to have to trust God at a level they've never had to trust Him before. And do you know what? There's places in our lives that God is, is we're going to have to trust Him for the things that we've never trusted Him before for. It's just the way it works. See, God isn't going to let us just stay where we are. He is actually going to push us. And, and to be honest, I would prefer it not be things that are bad all the time that I've got to trust Him for. I would prefer it to be part of the journey and the things that he's encouraging us to do and the places and the things we're accomplishing. That's what I want part of it to be. I want it to be things that we're doing something that impact in the kingdom. Look, look, you go through all kinds of stuff, right? Like today, between services, I, I had a great privilege of, of cleaning up glass because somebody decided to chuck rocks through a few of our windows overnight. Look, you can be fearful of those things and be concerned. Or you can just say, God, we're going to trust you. Nothing got stolen. They didn't win. So it looks like it was just a bunch of people just doing some vandalism. I wonder what that door is going to look like if I chuck this rock through it. And that's basically what it is. Look, you're going to go through difficulty. And there's times that people are going to go through difficulty around you. They aren't going to have faith to help them through. But you are going to be able to help them with their faith. God positions every one of us for moments that matter. He will give you ideas to accomplish things for his kingdom and make him known in your day. You've got to do that by faith. Like he's going to speak to you. He's going to lead you to do something. And, and, and often the things that God speaks to us, they, they, he may give us visions to do things and accomplish stuff. You know, generally they start small. And they grow from there. God wants to use Every one of us, in some way in the kingdom. Will you live your life by faith? The righteous will live by faith. So the question to ask as we're finishing up this morning is this. Are you positioning yourself to hear from God? How's that going? Like that's this this isn't about condemnation. This is about find your place. Position yourself to hear from God. The second question is are you living by faith? There are probably some here today. You've attended church. You believe in God. But 
you haven't put your faith in Jesus. You've tried to live life your own way. It's failed you. Question today would be, would you make a decision that you're going to live your life by faith in Jesus? You're going to trust that he can forgive you of your sins and make you right before God. You're going to live your life as an act of faith. Maybe you've been a follower of Jesus a long time, but you haven't taken a step of faith. Beginning serving in places God wants you to serve. Again, most big things in the kingdom start small. Start by serving at the block party, September 9th. Something simple. Sunday morning with a greeter and usher. Hospitality. Being a helper in a capital kids class. Student ministry. Start small. Living by faith means trusting God with your life. Allowing him to lead. The righteous will live by faith. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing the word of God. But Habakkuk understood. Go to the source. Air the complaint to the guy who can do something. He went straight to the top. He went to God. God, I understand. I think it's a stupid idea. But I'll wait to hear your response. And then he listened. And he lived by faith. I'm telling you, Habakkuk is an incredibly powerful thought and message for the time in which we live. You don't want to miss the next step of your life. So tell him. God is going to speak to us. The power of the mystery is with Position yourself to hear from God. Live your life Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you, God, for speaking into our lives through the prophet Habakkuk. 26-year-old words that have power and meaning for us today. Lord, I pray that we would live lives that are filled with faith. Lord, that we could live prophetically in a world in which there's a leadership vacuum. Lord, that the people of God would once again rise up. That the people of God would once again do the things that you've called them to do. 
God, that the people of God would once again do what the people of Israel did in the days in Babylon. That God, you would raise up people who will stand in the midst of the places that they live. And they will speak the word of God with power and grace and love and goodness. Lord, that the people of God would live lives of faith. Lord, that we would hear your voice speaking. That we would respond to your word. And Lord, that we would live lives filled with faith. Lord, would you do that in our day? You did it 2,600 years ago when they were carried off into Babylon. You raised up guys like Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You raised up guys like Nehemiah and Ezra. Lord, would you do that once again today? Would you raise up people who will speak into their, in their culture and to speak into their world? And would you raise them up to do the work that you called them to do? God, would you do great things? Lord, accomplish it, I pray. Lord, I pray in this moment as we gather and we worship and we sing for just one more song. God, I pray that you would speak into every one of our lives. Lord, that you would be present. And Lord, I pray as people position themselves this week in places to hear from you, Lord, you would speak and you would speak with clarity. And Lord, they could write it down. They would know that God has spoken through his word. God has spoken to me to change me, to make me more like him. And they're going to live by faith, God. Would you do that in the midst of your people? Would you do that in the midst of Topeka? Would you do that in the midst of our church, Lord? We ask it in Jesus' name. Have your way in these moments, I pray, Lord. In Jesus' name.